welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Chris Work. He's a young adult cancer survivor, a patient advocate and global health coach, and the best-selling author of the book, Crispy Cancer, a comprehensive plan for healing naturally. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Welcome, Chris. Um, I want to introduce Chris. I'll let him do his own introduction here, but I was on Chris's podcast a few weeks ago, and his unusual story, and we have a common connection, is that I deal with people a lot of chronic pain, and it turns out it turns out to be more of a chronic disease situation. And the essence of healing chronic pain, not just managing it, but also other chronic diseases is connecting to your own capacity to heal. So Chris at age 26 developed a stage three colon cancer, which is not a great diagnosis. I've dealt with lots of cancer over the years, and this is a bad one. And so he opted out and did his own thing. And 11 years later, do I have the math right there, Chris? Maybe not. (laughs) Anyway, 2003, he had the diagnosis. And today he's been cancer-free. He's written a couple books, and one is Chris Beat Cancer, A Comprehensive Plan for Healing Naturally. And I'm very interested in the story, but also how he came out of it. Each person that I talk to that I've watched heal does it their own way. But there's a very common trait with each person who heals from whatever disease they have. And Chris's story is remarkable. And Chris, welcome to our show. Thank you, Dr. David. I appreciate being with you and uh, the opportunity to share my story and share what I've learned. So when you were 26, you said you used to work in real estate? Is that yeah. Correct? Okay. So I'm assuming you had a busy life back then. I had a busy life and it was really great. I was had been married for two years. I was married in 2001. I uh, was in real estate business for, I'd been in it for a couple of years. I was buying houses and fixing them up and renting them out and building uh, what I thought was a, you know, just a little empire. Uh, I was a musician. I was writing songs and playing shows. I mean, things were great. My life was really great. I was really excited about the future. Um, but I was ha- started having abdominal pain and uh, I put it off for most of the year and eventually the pain got worse and I went to the doctor and they they referred me around and eventually I ended up at the gastroenterologist and he did a colonoscopy and when I came up came out of uh, you know from being unconscious he said uh, you've got a golf ball sized tumor in your colon and uh, we took a biopsy we're going to send it to the lab and you know hopefully it's benign a couple of days later I get the call uh, staged well it was colon cancer they didn't know the stage. Right. They, they thought it might be stage two. So um, that was just a few days before Christmas. And, and um, you know, it, it, colon cancer, a cancer diagnosis at any age is a terrible shock. It's a traumatic event. Right. And uh, it was not on my radar. I'd never had any friends or family members go through cancer. I mean, I knew a few people that were had gone through it, but I, I did not get to observe them during their cancer journey. So it was very foreign to me. Uh, And I was told, look, we got to get you into surgery right away and get this thing out before it spreads and kills you. And they wanted to have me into surgery, you know, within two days. 
Right. And uh, and what I've I've come to learn is this is this is the SOP for the cancer industry is they rush pa patients into treatment out of fear uh, with very little knowledge of their disease or what treatment is going to entail, what the risks and benefits are, and the likelihood of survival. Uh, patients don't know anything. They're they're just rushed in out of fear, and that's that's where I was, and. I was able to postpone my surgery about a week and a half because I just didn't want to be in the hospital over Christmas. <laughs> so right. I was like, look, I was like, man, is there any way we can do this after Christmas? Like, this is just, you know, this is depressing enough. And so I went in on December 30th, 2003. They took out a third of my large intestine, took out a bunch of lymph nodes. When I woke up, they said, look, it's worse than we thought. Uh, you're stage 3C. So your next step is nine to 12 months of chemotherapy. And that was, uh, that was, even though I was on heavy pain medication, you know, that was, uh, a big, you know, another big blow. Psychologically. So, so just for the audience, you have to remind me, I haven't dealt with the exact staging for a long time, but stage three means it's penetrated the wall, correct? Yes. It's outside the colon stage two, stage one, of course, is in the intestine stage two is in the wall, but stage three means it's penetrated through the wall and were the lymph nodes positive. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And there was, there were positive lymph nodes. Yeah. Right. And stage four is when it's metastatic, correct? In another okay. organ. Yeah. Right. So he basically had a bad deal. And in our world, cancer of the colon, any GI cancer and adenocarcinoma is just a bad prognosis. We don't really have great treatments for it. And as a spine surgeon, I dealt with it a lot because it would travel to the spine, which means it was stage four at that point. And um, cancer is not a great diagnosis. There's lots of bad things that happen, especially with the stage three, when you're through the abdominal wall and in the lymph nodes. So the, so the tumor is out, it's in the lymph nodes, and you're not feeling very good about this. Not feeling good about it. A um, couple things happened in the hospital <laughs> that, uh, you know, got, got my wheels turning. And the first thing that happened was the very first meal that they served me after taking out a third of my large intestine was a sloppy joe. And... Okay. <laughs> And I remember looking at it and going, what is this? You know, why are they serving this horrible industrial cafeteria food to cancer patients? Like, I mean, as far as I knew, the only place you could get a sloppy joe was the military, summer camp, prison. Well, it's a good way to disguise the toxins. You can't see anything. <laughs> no, you have no idea what's, what is in there. <laughs> right. And so... So that was a that was a bit of a surprise because I knew what healthy food was. My mom was kind of a health nut. I worked at a, a Wild Oats in college for a year, which got bought out by Whole Foods. So I knew fruits and vegetables vegetables were healthy. I knew about juicing. I knew about wheatgrass. Like I knew about organic food. I wasn't eating that way, but I knew that world existed, and I also knew what junk food was and processed food was. And so anyway, so that that was kind of a surprise because I just thought, wow, uh, I can't believe they're serving this to sick people to, to meet to cancer patient or the guy who just had abdominal surgery. A few days later, they said I could go home and my surgeon came in to check on me and we were having a conversation about what, you know, what to expect, what was next. And I just happened to say, hey, is there any food I need to avoid? Because again, he cut out a third of my intestines. So right. Everything you're eating is going through the tube, right? yeah, sure. 
And I just didn't want to, I just want to make sure there was like, is there food that's off limits? Like whatever you do, don't eat hot sauce or something. So he said, uh, no, just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. (laughs) So just an FYI, my wife is an excellent cook, very healthy, and there's no worse group of people for diet than surgeons. We look at eating as a waste of time because it keeps us in the hospital longer. So, I mean, there's a few exceptions to that, but most, the most part, surgeons, as fast as we can shove it down and get out the door, that's where we go. So, when yeah. I, so I've now become much more aware of nutrition, but no, my, I, I'm embarrassed, you know, my 30 year, 30 some years I was doing surgery and 40 years, including medical school, I didn't have a whiff of knowledge about nutrition, absolutely nothing. Yeah. And I've heard that over and over from, from uh, medical professionals, of course, uh, Med school isn't about nutrition. Um, so I, uh, you know, I, I, the wheels, again, they were turning. I'm thinking, why is there such a big disconnect between healthcare and health, right? Healthy living, healthy eating, nutrition. Right. And uh, of course, I didn't have any answers, but I went home and was, was recovering from surgery, I'm sleeping on the couch because it was just easier to get on and off the couch and out, in and out of bed. And one morning, uh, you know, I, I, was sobering up. I I was weaning myself off the pain medication. And uh, I just started thinking about my life and my future. And it became uh, very concerning to me, right? The pain meds helped. (laughs) And then when I sobered up, I was like, okay, I started to think about what what am I going to become? I had seen cancer patients out in the world. I had seen advanced cancer patients with no hair, emaciated, yellow skin, right? I mean, just when you, the first time you see a human in that condition, it makes a pretty big impact on you. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, like this person, that their physical state, it's almost like the the images you see of uh, concentration camp victims, right? From World War II, like, I can't believe this person is alive in this state. And I thought that's, that's going to be me, right? And so that was not a, that was not an encouraging thought. And the idea of poisoning my way back to health also didn't make sense to me. I mean, I knew enough about chemo to know it's highly toxic, right? Right. And uh, so my instincts and my intuition were sort of rising up against it. And I'm a Christian, my wife and I prayed you know, one morning, and I just said, God, if there's another way besides chemotherapy, please show me, I don't know what else to do. Help. Right. And so two days later, I got a book that was sent to me from a man in Alaska, who was a friend of my dad's. And I'm in Tennessee. So I get this book, start reading it. And it was written by a man who had colon cancer back in the 70s. And he had he was a pastor and he had seen a lot of family members and church members go through cancer and through cancer treatment and suffer and die. And then he gets this colon cancer and happened to have a, a buddy who said, Hey man, you need to go back to the garden of Eden, start eating raw fruits and vegetables and juicing. That's what you need to do. Cause he, he had already decided he didn't want to do surgery. He didn't want to do chemo. He just had no confidence in it. And that's what he did. And a year later, his tumor was gone and his body had healed. And so I'm reading his story. His name is George Malcolmus. So I'm reading his story and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like the body can heal. No one had ever said this to me before, that the body is capable of healing and that understanding 
that understanding the root causes of disease are critical because if you don't eliminate the root causes of your disease, your disease will persist. Right. And you can treat it in, you know, there's a million ways under the sun you can treat a disease, but if you don't address the cause, you probably will never get well. And so this was incredibly empowering to me. And I just had this revelation, this epiphany, the way you're living is killing you. Right. And it wasn't just the food. Uh, and of course, there's a very strong case for the Western diet being highly contributory to cancer, highly right. inflammatory. Um, but it's not just the diet, it's lifestyle. In fact, there's a, you know, there've been numbers of studies on this, but one of them uh, that I talk about in my first book uh, is that, you know, hypothesizes, I guess you could say that uh, up to 90% of cancers are caused by three factors, diet, lifestyle, and environment. We know that roughly 5% of cancers are genetic. That's a small percentage. Right. But the problem is when a cancer patient goes to the doctor and says, well, how did I get cancer? How did this happen? What, like, what caused my cancer, right? Everybody wants to know, like, what, what caused this? How did I get this? They're, the answer they almost always get is, well, we don't know, but it's probably uh, genetic or it might just be bad luck. And that answer, uh, it, to me, is, is so troubling because what happens is it, it basically turns the patient into a powerless victim of disease. What they're saying is there's nothing you did to contribute to your disease, and therefore there's nothing you can do to help yourself get well other than show up for treatment. That's it. You just, so, get, you just show up for treatment. So let me jump in here just for a second to create a structure for the rest of the conversation because as you know, from our other podcasts, I've started a movement called Dynamic Healing. And when your stresses or circumstances or environment overwhelm your coping capacity of your body and nervous system, then your body goes into fight or flight or a stress physiology. And when you're sustained fight or flight, you know, your inflammatory markers go up, you go into what's called warrior white blood cells, which trip your own tissues, your immune system's compromised. I mean, every day, as you know, we have cancer, cell, cancer cells in our bodies. And your immune system just picks them off every day. So when your immune system's compromised, that's when cancers happen. And so you can't heal if you're in sustained fight or flight. And you can only heal if your body's in safety or, or what we call rest and digest. So if you're consuming resources to survive, you can't heal. And I'll just make one comment about chemotherapy. And chemotherapy kills everything. It's just that cancer cells grow faster so they're more apt to be killed than your normal cells. So you're correct. There's no, um, the only difference, the only reason, so, so anyway, the chemotherapy works in the fact that you kill everything, but the cancer cells are more susceptible to being killed than your normal tissues. So it is a very destructive way of going after it. So the bottom line is for healing in medicine right now, we're treating only the symptoms where the root cause is when your stresses overwhelm your coping skills, you go into fight or flight. So in medicine right now, we don't talk to our patients. We don't know you as a person and your coping skills. We don't know your circumstances. That's the root cause. And so what we're doing, we're treating just symptoms and it can't work. It doesn't work. And so we know now that essentially every chronic disease, mental and physical, has a common basis. And that's sustained levels of threat physiology or threat chemistry. So going back to your model, let's go backwards just for a second. You mentioned lifestyle a couple of times. 
looking backwards, can you see, obviously we talked about diet, which is a big one. Um, there's most processed foods are inflammatory, which contribute to the load. And, the, and of course there's anti-inflammatory diets, just healthy diets are anti-inflammatory. But going back in the story a little bit, you said your lifestyle several times. Are the things looking backwards that you think might have contributed to your cancer diagnosis? Yeah, and I think it's important to, to you know, for a patient to understand every possible contributing factor, right? So, so that they can identify the ones that are in their life. And that's right. what I talk about in my, in my first book is helping you understand the dietary factors, the lifestyle factors, the environmental factors, and the stress factor, which is really underlying all of them. And I, I know we'll get into the stress thing in a minute. But for me, I was eating the Western diet, tons of right. meat, dairy, processed food, junk food, sugar, salt, and oils. I'd eaten that way my whole life. Of course, most people can get away with it a lot longer than I did. Um, but cancer caught me early at 26. I did have a lot of stress in my life because I'm a type A personality. So I was very driven. I was trying to do a lot of things. I was uh, taking on a lot of responsibilities and risk as an entrepreneur. And uh, I was also very, very competitive, very jealous, very envious of others who were successful. I was very insecure and, as, and prideful as a coping mechanism. So I was, you know, even though I was a Christian and trying to be a good person, right? I was right. still a swirling kind of mess of emotion, of negative emotion right. that I'd never, no one had ever taught me the skills to identify and deal with, right? To, to, and so th th this took a while to figure all this stuff out. It, it wasn't like overnight, I just realized, oh, you know, but the epiphany was the way you're living is killing me, is killing you, right? This is my admission to myself. Right. Which I didn't beat myself up over. It was it was actually empowering because I realized, well, wait a second, if the way I'm living is killing me, I can change the way I'm living. Maybe I can empower my body to heal. Right. right. If if my body created cancer, these are my cells after all, maybe my body can heal it. Right. And as you said, we know that your immune system is designed to identify and eliminate cancer cells. That's the job of your natural killer cells and and other immune cells in your body. That's what they're supposed to do. And so the, the only difference between a person with tumors and a person with no tumors is really their immune system it really right. boils down to the strength of their immune system. So, you know, that first book was the spark. It just gave me enough hope and uh, that, that I could heal. And it just set me off on this complete radical lifestyle transformation journey where I, decided to leave no stone unturned, right? I was just, I need to figure out everything in my life that may be contributing to disease and replace those things with uh, health promoters. <laughs> so so wanna, mind, body, spirit, right? All of it. So I want to just wrap up this part of it um, and just summarize a couple of things. So Alexi, you can all have to agree with me. I'm always open to um, other viewpoints, but in general, um, I have a friend of mine, Bernie Siegel, who has run an exceptional cancer survivor support group for many years. Who Love Bernie. He's um, awesome. So he's a friend of mine. We talk a lot. He's been on my podcast a few times. And it appears that the bottom line is it, it, the same process that helps heal cancer also heals Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, cardiac disease, hypertension, obesity, anxiety, depression, bipolar. They're all inflammatory disorders. So the concept I want to leave the group with today is that 
We tend to think in terms of stress as some type of psychological situation. That is not true. So you have stresses that your bodies respond to. So when we use the word stress, you say, I'm stressed out. We think that's psychological. Well, the mental input is a threat that has a lot to do with it, but your body's response to a threat. Your total body response is that when you go into fight or flight, you're fighting off invaders, but when, when it's sustained, it starts attacking your own tissues. So then your immune I don't being worn out probably isn't the right term, but just for simplicity, I'll say your immune system gets your immune system is under sustained fight or flight. It gets worn out, it starts attacking your own blood vessels, hence Alzheimer's, cardiac disease, peripheral vascular disease. You also develop an insulin resistance because of the inflammatory cells. So there's deep, deep, deep data that's been in medicine for 30 years, for goodness sakes, that shows that chronic stress, again, not psychological, just your whole life. And stress isn't the problem as much as this being sustained fight or flight. So there are a bunch of things you can do to pull your body out of fight and flight into rest and digest. There's two things I want to, we'll talk about in the second podcast. It's also been shown that fear actually is inflammatory, right? So by definition, if you're afraid of something, everything fires up. What I forgot that I learned in medical school that includes your immune system. So for some reason, it's only a couple of years ago, working with Dr. Stephen Porges, that I get reminded that the autonomic nervous system, the immune system is a big factor in fight or flight. So not only does your heart race and you get sweaty and tight, your immune system's fired up. And so you're in sustained fight or flight. So your, your autonomic nervous system is a big part of it. So fear, we know that fear of pain, for instance, makes the pain worse. It actually inflames the brain. So fear of treatment, which you just pointed out really succinctly in the hospital, you were rushed into surgery. We got to do the chemotherapy. That fear actually compromises your immune system. And the final thing I want to mention is that there's a Dr. Dancer out of Texas who's done remarkable work on the immune system and social factors. And one of the factors that is anti-inflammatory is hope. So when you have hope, that in of itself is actually anti-inflammatory. So you get a bunch of things you can do to crank up your immune system, especially diet, but also hope, understanding fear, understanding the body's response to your situation. All those things add up to actually recruit your body's own capacity to heal. How did I do? I have no disagreement with anything you said. Uh, absolutely, hundred percent agree. And I, that thing about hope is amazing. I've never heard that, but I understand it because you know, all negative emotion. And I know we'll get into this more, but negative emotion is the root cause of stress, and it starts with a thought that is negative, and that Correct. produces an emotion which might be fear or worry or anxiety. Can, right? can, or can, I stop, can I stop you just for a second? Yeah. So I'm very simplistic as an orthopedic surgeon. So I've changed it a little bit. So thoughts are a threat. Unpleasant thoughts, repressed thoughts or threats or your environment or circumstances. But when you feel an emotion, you're actually reflecting the state of your body's physiology. So you feel emotions, which is reflecting your fight or flight response. So emotions, so anxiety, this thing we call anxiety is the result of a threat. It's not the cause. So you have this fight or flight response. We put it, humans have a name for it. it. As Bruce Lipton points out, it's a very automatic hardwired response that every living creature has. So humans have this word that we call anxiety. We put onto it. So from my perspective, I know this book's written about emotions, but from my perspective, thoughts are the threat. And emotions is what we're feeling when our body's physiology changes. 
Is that a fair statement from your perspective? That, that's different than the way I I understand it, but it doesn't mean that I'm you're wrong or I'm wrong. So, <laughs> but the point so, is, is that the threat, the negative emotion and thought, they're interconnected, and then your body is responding in a way, right? The fight or flight response that ends up being inflammatory and suppressing your immune system, and just it's a beautiful. Uh, that's a beautiful revelation for me that even hope is anti-inflammatory because I discovered hope from one survivor story right. who healed. And that was, like I said earlier, that was enough motivation for me to change my life because I'm like, well, he's human. I'm human. He's a man. I'm a man. He had colon cancer. I had colon cancer. Right. That gave me hope that I could survive and heal. And it empowered me to change my life. And right. that was the, that's the big thing that I think is missing from cancer treatment. And that's really my mission as a patient advocate uh, is to empower patients with not only hope and inspiration and encouragement, but with the resources that they can use immediately to start changing their life for the better. And so I'd love to get into that in the next podcast. Well, and two things, I just changed my language around emotions about six weeks ago, because I always used to say repressed emotions are a problem You go, wait a second. So you feel emotions and you think thoughts and the psyche is a huge threat that we can't escape as humans. Then we have this chemical surge, we feel that. And so that's where, again, I, I'm just a work in progress as far as the evolution. And then I think you're so, and then just um, segue into the next podcast is that the concepts that Chris is presenting are wonderful. Be very clear in presenting them. Um, but it's for all chronic disease with cancer being one of those. It took me about a year to actually understand from one of my um, fellow physiatrists that cancer is part of the same bucket of chronic disease that, again, you have to recruit your body's capacity to heal from chronic pain, et cetera, et cetera. So it's the same process with chronic disease, including cancer. And so cancer is, um, people say we put cancer and chronic pain in the same bucket, exactly. Because your body's in fight or flight and, the, and why somebody gets cancer, why somebody else gets Alzheimer's, I don't know. That part is a mystery. So anyway, Chris, thank you. And so I just want to make sure we highlight your how to get hold of So you have two books, Chris Beat Cancer, A Comprehensive Plan for Healing Naturally. That was published in 2018. The other one is Beat Cancer Daily, 365 Days of Inspiration, Encouragement, and Action Steps to Survive and Thrive, was published by Hay House in 2020. And then you're getting ready to write a third book, which is what, Chris? Beat Cancer Kitchen is a full-color cookbook, uh, plant-based, anti-inflammatory, whole foods uh, recipes. It comes out November 16th of this year, 2021. And then you created what's called Square One Cancer Coaching Program. What is that exactly? Square One Program is a course that I, after coaching a lot of many countless patients one-on-one, I put a, put a course together just to organize everything that I would want to teach someone, right, who wants to change their life, either for healing or for prevention. And so there's links to the Square One program on crispycancer.com if someone wants to go through my course. It's about a 10-hour course, and it's very comprehensive. Great. And his website is crispycancer.com. And Chris, um, when I was on your podcast, I was very inspired by your work and your outlook and you have a message of healing that the world needs to heal, especially right now. So thank you, Chris. Thank you. I'd like to thank our guest, Chris Work, for being on the show today and for sharing his story of cancer survival and the insights that led him to the approach of tapping into his body's own capacity to heal. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. 
And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.